0: turn down the heat. That's good. Okay, now let's move the uh, omelet over here, you know, do that. And before you know it, you have a beautiful meal prepared. And that's all it is, just following the recipe with accountability until it becomes self-reinforcing.
1: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth, consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the Chief Connection Officer at Sell more Marketing, Bill Doerr. In today's episode, you will learn how to get more clients and earn more money by design, not by accident. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Bill Doerr. Bill helps his clients build, implement, and maintain a system that helps them get more clients and earn more money by design, not accident. His service helps clients do three things, see more people overall than they do now, see more profitable people, and follow up with key people for their business. He's an ATD certified coach who built his career in sales and marketing positions that reflect his passion for people in business. He likes to say, thanks to the internet and a headset, I can work with clients anywhere, anytime to help them grow their business by design, not accident. Bill, welcome to the show. So great to have you on. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. So internet and headset. Now I know we're gonna get to this a little bit in a bit. I know that you can work with clients anywhere, but you don't work with just anybody. So we'll, we'll come to that. But first let's talk a little bit about your background. So career in sales and marketing positions, what's that all about? Yeah, well, um,
0: I started out actually selling life insurance back in uh, the days when I was in school at UConn, University of Connecticut, and realizing that uh, continuing on with psychology was going to mean a PhD or it was going to be worthless, I felt. And I began to do more experimentation with the one-way glass between me and the people I was trying to be with. I said, I got to go into some other field. So I ended up deciding to continue to work with sales and in sales. And that was uh, quite a few years ago, but it gave me a good foundation in learning how to work with people and get things done. And it also taught me a lot of basics that honestly are still extremely applicable to this day. So um, I started out that way, quick bounce. I went through time in the home office, uh, left that, became a consultant with the trade association LIMRA international, got to work all over the world. That was pretty cool, helping managers and general agents develop the teams they were counting on for the numbers the home office or head office were looking for, depending upon where they were based. And um, then I got into selling sales training uh, when I left that world with Sandler Training. uh, And I was with them for a number of years. And um, they gave me an incredible, awesome education on top of what I already had. And then I was a duct tape marketing consultant for over 10 years with John Janch and um, finally decided that, you know, I've been kind of jumping into other people's religions. Maybe I ought to start my own. And that's how I ended up becoming a coach consultant advisor to people who are coaches, consultants and advisors who are saying or hearing from a significant other, you know, hey, honey, if, if, if you're so damn smart, how come we're not more rich? And that became my ideal client. Somebody who was sitting on a gold mine didn't know how to buy a pick or an axe or a shovel to get it out. And I developed systems to work with those people to help them convert their competence into compensation. That's my story.
1: Um, <laughs> Bill, um, how long ago did you make the jump from being in other people's sandboxes to being in your own? My, it was about uh, 2006. So
0: a while. Yeah, it's been a, been, a, been a few years. Yeah. And uh, it's been good. Every step, you know, there's a I have a sign on my wall from Doug Hammersholt's markings, and it's a quote in the book that he says, how long the road has been, but how you've needed every inch of it to know what it passes by. And I feel that's kind of why sometimes even when we go, why the hell am I in this position? It's because it's preparing you for something that you have yet to do. And if you didn't do what you're doing now, you won't be doing then what you could be when the time comes. So everything has its purpose. I may not understand it. You may not understand it, but I have faith that at some point it will come to the fore and it will be, oh, thank God I went through that hellish experience when I did, because that's what I added need for to be able to do what I'm doing today,
1: you know? In 2006, were you focused on serving consultants, coaches, and advisors right from the start in your, in your own business?
0: Well, you know, I think I'm going to say in, in fairness, no. I think that became an evolutionary choice. At that point, I was kind of a, um, a master of several capabilities. And um, actually, in, in, I probably shouldn't, well, no, I won't. I'll say that I was, when I left, uh, some of the organizations uh, had trained me to do strategic planning for small companies and not for profits and so on. And one of the things that I'd done was uh, started out doing strategic planning for small companies. And although I found I could enjoy it, it really wasn't as much as I thought it was going to be. And so I started turning my sights to who's got problems that I have a capability to solve. And again, it was one of these oh my God, I've got too many tools my toolkit, which one do I use? And it took me a while to start listening to not only what can I do well, but who do I really like to serve? And and for me that was a really big aha because I'd spent 17 years in the financial services industry getting, you know, awards and letters after my name and all that, only to realize one day, you know what, I don't really absolutely love this anymore. There's no passion in me to get up and do it. And I think that's when you start looking for So where do you take what you've done and been and are into a new place that you've never been before? And that's both scary and exciting, but it's turned out to be okay. And I think we all go through that. I know at one point you were dealing with, you know, upper management and chemical engineering and all kinds of cool things. And today you're doing some very different things. But again, if you hadn't done that then, would you be doing all this now? I doubt it. But it would have not been possible had you not gone through that. And that's the way I kind of look at this. So, yeah, it wasn't an easy transition, a clean in the sense that, you know, I I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I still ask myself that question, but I'm much clearer about it now. And I think most of us who are in the, you know, self-employment or coaching consulting fields, we do get tighter and tighter on who that target is that we want to serve, what they want from us and what we can best do for them.
1: That makes all of us happy in the end. Yeah, um, it completely resonates with me. You know, we have a lot in common. That um, yeah, <laughs> no. I, I was going to say, I, I started my business in 2006. It was a transition that I, you know, I, I wanted to be on my own, and also I was not primarily serving consultants. Coaches, advisors, solopreneur, experts in uh, in 2006, far from it. I had actually, you know, I started off in chemical engineering. I've spent most of my career working for others in the nonprofit sector, and that was kind of my specialty. So I, you know, became a solopreneur, nonprofit management consultant. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over time, combination of opportunities that found me and also who I wanted to serve really became um you know, a deep dive on, um, you know, very similar audience to yours. And we, you know, we do different things with, with that audience. So, um, yeah, and, and yes, it, it becomes more and more refined all the time. And, and there's still the days when I wake up and say, yeah, what do I want to be when I grow up? I I totally relate to all of this.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate your candor and your honesty. I mean, you know, let's face it. What's the old joke we used to have in the business? Was um, you know, I feel like I'm really making progress, and I and you ask why is that, and say because I'm only looking the help wanted ads. Oh, maybe once a month now, not every week. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, that's a metric of improvement, right? So there you go. But it's still always in the back of your mind. If I've gone through these many changes, what else could do I have yet to do? And I, I kind of like you know, I'm open to things. I mean, that's kind of my, you know, my, you know, Myers-Briggs thing. I'm ENFP, so I'm sort of like open to the flexibilities of God knows what. But, you know, there's always fun in not knowing what's going to happen next. A little exciting, but also a little daunting. But on balance, it's uh, something to embrace.
1: Yes, very much so. so. So you mentioned that there's some basics that you kind of came out of your previous work history with that are very applicable to what you're doing now. And can you share a little bit about what some of those basics are?
0: Yeah. Well, for me, so I worked in a field where it wasn't necessarily what you knew because there were what we used to call a lot of educated derelicts, meaning people who had to sell their capability to solve problems and they could solve problems, but they couldn't market themselves very well. So I was always kind of pulled towards the marketing and the sales side of things (laughs) And I remember one time when I told one of my sales colleagues uh, that I was going to go to work with uh, duct tape marketing because I thought that was was where the problems really began. We had a lot of trained killers who didn't have anybody to go kill, so to speak, you know. And he says to me, oh, marketing, that's right. Isn't that for, for people who can't sell? He actually used some other terms and I won't use them here in deference to your quality show. But I was like taken aback that he had that image. Because if he didn't do marketing, he would never have had clients to sell sales training to. So it's like, it's almost like that it's hiding in plain sight. And I wanted to try and get back to that. And so when I started digging into it with coaches, consultants, and advisors, I kept hearing, I really need to know how to do a better job of getting in front of people. And I, and a lot of them were, you know, doing the blogging and they were doing the, the you know, LinkedIn outreach and all those kinds of things and going... Yeah, but it, it's coming up short and there's always a the new flavor of the week. And that's kind of another issue. So I said, what do I do that I can go back to that's more fundamental? And for me, it was a lesson that I learned years ago from my mom, who was very successful in real estate. And I said to her when I was a little kid, so ma, how do you, how do you get your clients? And she said, well, you know, Billy, you know, even at 91, I was still Billy, right? You know, you know, we have a party every Friday and Saturday. Or it was either one of the two. It was Friday or Saturday. And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, and we had, my mom had a pension for beautiful old houses in New England. So they were on the larger side, and she could throw a party for 50, 60 people easily, and nobody felt crowded. It was very nice. I used to love to to do those uh, parties, so to speak. But she'd say, you know, how somebody might come and go, oh, everybody, David schreiner here. David, come on over here. I want you to meet some people. She'd drag you over, you know, to some people and uh, say, oh, this is Charlie and this is Alice and George and Mary. Listen, you take good care of David. I think I just heard the doorbell. I've got some guests to go see. David, you're going to be in good hands. And by the way, the bar's over there, the, the food's over there. You enjoy yourself and I'll catch up with you later. And my mom took off. And so that's how she started putting people into play. And I said, yeah, I, I get, I remember, I, I see that all the time. Yeah. So what? She goes, well, then I call people on Mondays. Remember now this is pre-internet, pre-computers, you know, phones and Rolodexes. Relationships are still relationships. Right, exactly. So she'd call it, she said, and I call these people up and I say, did you meet everybody you wanted to meet? Anybody you didn't get to meet, you wanted to meet. Anything I can do to help put you together, do you want to arrange, you know, do you want to go to coffee, Uh, go to a, you know, a meeting with, and we'll have coffee and I'll introduce you there again or whatever. And so, she said to me, you know, when, whenever anybody has a need to buy or sell a property, your mother pops out of their brain like candy from a pest dispenser. I said, oh, I get it now. And she goes, yeah. And she told me this one little thing before she passed many years later. And she said, you know, I view all the people in my life and in my business as flowers in the garden, my garden. And I'm the busy bee who flies amongst them all and transfers the best of the rest to all the others. And you know what, Billy? Here's the lesson I want you to remember. Yeah, you know, what's that, Ma? She said, the bee with the most pollen on her ass usually has the most bucks in the bank. And don't you ever forget it. And I never did. And then later, when I had the opportunity, I was able to create software which supported that philosophy of connecting people when they most need to meet someone they can trust who's been vetted by someone they know, like, and trusts. And if they do that, or you do that, you're a connector. And I like to think of myself as someone who learned how to systemize that uh, process. And that's what I coach and train people to do. So they become that little busy bee in the world of relative connections that they have, who some will refer and some will purchase what they have. And if you stay in touch over time, that's the retaining part of it, uh, you'll end up getting most of the lifetime value that individual represents for the kind of services that you offer. And so it's not really in my opinion, it's not really rocket surgery anymore, but it is something that is systematic. It is something you have to do consistently and very conscientiously. And if you do, you'll reap the benefits. And if you don't, somebody else in your field will reap the benefits. And I try to help my clients avoid having to suffer that
1: fate. And I see that a lot. Yeah. So I was going to say, it, it takes some some focus, some, some discipline, some right diligence, perseverance. Mm-hmm. So it's like, understanding the the system that you teach, but also utilizing it consistently over a long period of time. Yeah.
0: E- even better than any brilliant idea or strategy or whatever is just consistent behavior. I've, I've come to appreciate after many years that, you know, the idiots who did the right thing consistently generally did better than the smart boys and girls who did it every
1: now and then. Could you share some stories or examples of consultants, coaches, and advisors that have gone from no system to utilizing the system and and what kind of results they get?
0: Yeah, so the system is what I call uh, get more preferrals now. and A preferral is a preferred introduction. So when I I think about that, I think of someone who says, I want to have a steady flow. In fact, if you go through the program that I coach, uh, we guarantee a minimum number of introductions each month that your system, once you build it and implement it, will generate for you. And I used to say it was 15, but then people found that before they did it kind of incredulous. So I backed it down to 10. But the reality is if you want to, you will generate more than 15 introductions to people who are going to look like the kind of people who can best understand value, desire, and afford the kind of services you want to sell. Now they may not need them today, but The sooner you connect with them, the sooner you'll convert with them in the future. So you got to start somewhere and we just start filling up your pipeline or potential pipeline with opportunities. So in the case of a situation where somebody has, um, and I've seen this a number of times, they have supposedly no network. I'm thinking of one individual who was very smart, had letters after his name, had come out of working in a, a private corporation And was kind of going, okay, I'm smart, I can do things, who do I do it with? And what we really did was just sat down and went through a series of exercises. And there's four core, I think, um, Kalen Huntress, who I loved hearing on your show, he's somebody I have a great deal of admiration for. You know, he talks about building up the cornerstones to support greater growth for his clients. And my four cornerstones are identifying who you really want to meet. And what I find is that most people who say, hey, do you know who should I talk to or can you refer me to somebody? It's like deer in the headlights, right? So what we really want to do is say, identify someone who has a characteristic that anybody can say yes or no to. Not I don't know or I'll have to get back to you. So when I was working with um, this individual, one of their capabilities was working with veterinarians or wanted to. That's, that was a fitting thing in drug pharmaceutical sales. And so we started going through and we said, just just ask everybody you meet, do you have a pet? Really, do you have a vet that you like? And if so, we'll show you how to get an introduction to them. So a simple move like asking, do you have a pet? Probably they have a veterinarian. And then getting an introduction to that individual from the client of the vet was all that was needed to open doors, minds and pocketbooks. So that's the profiling piece that comes up. And we really work to create a profile that you can render to anybody. And they'll either say, yeah, I know people like that, or no, I don't. if they don't, you don't have to wail on them. And if they do, you can get an introduction to those people through them with all the influence and prestige that's come from their relationship. And then the second thing is, uh, as a cornerstone, might be sources. And I'm thinking of sources being the people in your circle of influence that you'll know who are either going to uh, be ideal prospects, although I don't try to suggest you go for prospects. Prospects will find you. I want to meet people who know the people that you want to meet because you want to meet them through others and you also don't want to make an assumption that they're in need today. I mean, it's great getting an inbound referral. Trust me, I like those too. But most of the time, it's an outbound introduction. And the difference is that an introduction has no need for uh, what you do necessarily. In fact, I tell people, When you introduce me, just understand they probably don't need what I do today. And they may never. But if we don't know each other before that time should happen, we'll never find each other when it does. So I would appreciate the opportunity for them to know me and for me to know them. And I will do my best to keep in touch, stay in mind, and develop a relationship so that when the time does come, I'll pop out of their brain like a candy from a pest dispenser. So identifying uh, what I call uh, sources is a very important thing. And those are people in your circles of influence that have circles of influence themselves. And in those circles are the people that you want to get to through those people. So identifying your people and also potentially JV partners or strategic alliances where you can cross promote each other. If you actually only have a handful of those individuals, you'll never prospect another day in your life because they'll know people and always be, you know, I like to say at least every 60 days, meet up with your people and say, so here's people i run into since I last saw you. Who have you run into that you've met that might be a good person for me to meet through you? And in fact, David, you and I spoke before the, uh, the taping this morning about someone who is uh, an ex-CIA spy who now coaches business executives. And I think that would be a beautiful fit for the uh, program but also she might find uh, smashing the plateau community be something she would like to get involved with. And I would think she'd make a great contribution. So if you're always thinking of your key relationships and they're thinking of you, after a while, it just becomes a, so who who's on the agenda this week? And that's kind of what happens there. And then the third pillar are methodologies. That's just, what do you do when you get in front of one of these uh, sources, these people who can connect you to other people? And there is an art and science to how to generate the relationship so that they feel comfortable introducing you and also how to keep in touch. And then the last cornerstone is the plan. The plan is the part that I think is probably where the magic happens, because up till now, you can get all this from so many sources. It's not super secret stuff. But the plan is, what do you do day in and day out, daily behavioral activity that causes the strategy to be implemented and achieved? And that's where I come in as the friendly coach. So my program, I I can get somebody up to speed on the system in about four weeks. Then I have eight weeks of hand-holding and butt-kicking through the goalposts of success because that's where the accountability kicks in. And I say, okay, we've now at the end of four weeks built out the daily behavior plan. Now you have to take that and run with it every week. And I'm here to ask, are you, did you, have you done what you're supposed to do? If you didn't, we go through a problem solving process to figure out why it went awry, make modifications, not to your goals, but to your methods, tweak them a little bit here, tweak them a little bit there, get results more consistently happening in the future than they have in the past. And eventually, you know, you go blowing past the goals that we set up in the beginning. So those are where those four cornerstones come from. And I think of people who are... There's one gentleman I'm working with right now who's just gotten out of the Air Force. Smart guy, PhD, knows what he's doing. The biggest challenge for him is doing the right thing at the right time, day in and day out. And as he started to become more consistent, he started to see more results. And that, to me, is very gratifying because, again, it's not that I'm doing anything special. I'm just kind of giving you the recipe and saying... No, no, no. You know, it might be good. Turn down the heat. Turn down the heat. That's good. Okay. Now let's move the uh, omelet over here and, you know, do that. And before you know it, you have a beautiful meal prepared. And that's all it is. Just following the recipe with accountability until it becomes
1: self-reinforcing. So ultimately you're modifying somebody's behavior a little bit so they can achieve the kind of outcomes they're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you primarily work with people one on one or do you do do this in uh, in larger settings? Um, it's been mostly one-on-one and I like that.
0: Of course, as you know, that kills the idea of leverage. So what I'm looking to do more of now, and I've done it in select situations, but I wouldn't call it a consistent choice, but I'm looking to do that in the coming year. And that is to work in either an agency or a small practice for lawyers or accountants. I, I remember working with, um, One gentleman in Kansas City, ironically, that I got an introduction to on the plane ride home from Kansas City with another attorney who had been working with him. He said, "Yeah, you should call this guy, you know." And he gave me a very interesting insight. He said, "You know, we've got offices all over the all over the country, and we've got about six hundred some odd associates, okay." And he said, "I would bet maybe fifty of them if I'm optimistic." Have the ability to bring in clients. The rest are the best of the rest we got when we hired them. We we knew they were great workers, but they're not the people who will bring in clients. And if we don't bring in clients, I don't know if you get my, you know, what out of here, because my my retirement is contingent upon the continuing revenues of the practice to come in. So he said it's a, it's a small number of people, but I could see where we could put together a group training program, if you will, or training coaching slash program. Uh, for those individuals who have the potential. And I would say there's probably a lot more small group opportunities out there. Uh, Somebody who's the head of an organization has to say, is this a skill set my people need, would benefit from, but don't currently have? You know, I jokingly say that nobody in graduate school took that course, how to turn your years of study into mounds of money. And it was always closed out. Even at UConn, I couldn't get into it. But I've learned how to do it and I can share it with others. And that's where we go with the program that I do.
1: Right. And I see how your, your program is quite different than the, there's so much marketing to consultants, coaches, and advisors mm-hmm. where the marketers are promising all kinds of stuff and the results are often quite paltry. Your stuff is like, is very basic and just, right. It's just follow the process. Oh, and it's guaranteed. You know, I mean,
0: some people think this is crazy, but I look at it this way. If you, if you, John Janch taught me this, he said, you know, if you really believe you can deliver a meaningful, beneficial difference to somebody's life, the odds are that if you are careful in who you choose to work with, you will always choose the people whose potential to reach that outcome is likely higher than anything else. So even if you screw up occasionally and misselect the people that you, bring on board, you know, that cost will be paid for by those who felt that that risk management technique of, you know, if you don't get what you came for, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'll give you your money back. Worked pretty well. So the way mine works is you go through the first four sessions. If at the end of four sessions, you go, what the hell was I thinking? No harm, no foul. You don't go to the coaching section. You stop where you are. Anything you got, God bless Maybe you'll send some business my way. We leave on good terms. But any money you've paid goes back to you. If at that point you decide to continue, then what you want is the outcome that we promised you more than the money in your bank account that you paid in the beginning, right? Or you may have continuing to obligate yourself to pay. So at that point, the way it works is we go for the full 12-week program. If at the end of the 12-week program, we're not delivering the outcome that you came for, I will work with you one-on-one, if it's in a group setting, or one-on-one continuant for up to six months until you do achieve that outcome. And at the end of six months, if you're not hitting it, and shame on me, I screwed up. Now, you have to do your part and I have to do my part. But if we do that and you don't get what you came for, I feel it's my obligation not to hold it against you and you get your money back. So far, I've not done that with anybody. But that's because I've either worked very intensely with some who went a little longer than we thought, but I was very careful in who I picked in the beginning. And again, you know, as you know, David, as, as you have within the, uh, within the Smashing the Plateau community, a lot of it is commitment. You know, you have a monthly program, but you have an annual program. I joined your annual program because I was committed. I believe in what you're doing. And I thought, you know, there was a little incentive to do so, but not that much that, you know, putting down a chunk of change, you know, was, was the wrong thing to do. I felt it was the right thing to do. And it demonstrated to me, I really believe what you're doing, David, is valuable and I'm going to see value from it. So it's kind of like, you know, we go back to who do, you, who do you want to work with and are they the right people? And usually it works out pretty well.
1: So, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I actually wanted to ask you one question about, about community. If you could just describe a little bit about your own experience in your, your career in interaction with community, like how has that kind of played out? What, what has worked well for you? In community settings. Oh, well,
0: you know, I know you've said this so many times that when you leave that corporate shelter, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, you know, where where you had your inbox full, you had people who reported to you or you just, you know, you didn't have to want for anything except to show up and do your, your best work every day. And then all of a sudden you find yourself sucked into this vacuous hole of non-existence. People ghost you people don't want to know you anymore. You know, you, 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 it's like years ago, my cat jumped off our balcony. It was like two stories up and I, you know, raced down I was like, Oh my God, my poor kitty. And she was there trying to jump up against the brick wall, trying to get back up. You know, it's like, we were also like that kitty. We're all, God, I want to go back to the comfort of the womb, you know, that corporate security. But you know, for most of us, that's not going to happen at some point and we have to get on with our lives. So, the best thing that I think of is, you know, what to do in that is to find groups of people who can understand who you are and what you're going through, maybe what you are going to go through and who can be a little higher up the mountain than you are and can tell you where the footholds and the handholds are and and any intentional community is what I think people who've left that corporate structure and security are looking for and find great value in if they just open themselves up to it. So I've started, you know, networking organizations, uh, you know, private, not in like a and i but, you know, a little more social for those people who I think we said, when, if you're no longer able to be in corporation land, we have a place for you. And that was the program I did back in the, God in the 90s in the, in the Hartford, Connecticut area. And now your community, others that I belong to are where I can go and find my own kind. I can let my hair down. Well, I can't much anymore. I don't have too much hair at this point in my life, but you know what I mean. And I can talk straight with people. I can say, these are my hopes, my fears, my dreams, my aspirations. This is where I need help, which is really hard for a lot of us to do. But if we don't, people think, oh, you know, you just got it all locked up and you're all set. No, that's not the case. We all have our issues. And if we could only be more candid, then we would get more help. And I think that's an opportunity that's in almost every community that I'm in, that I see all the time. You know, when you get somebody into a one-on-one conversation, oh man, am I the only one who feels the way I do? No, but you don't say that. So nobody else opens up about it either. You know, we all think that we're all, you know, supermen and superwomen. And, you know, that's not always the case. And sometimes the biggest successes are the ones with the most fragile sense of how things will be in the future, which again, goes back to find a community that trusts you, you can trust, and you can be candid in, you will find incredible resources of support, oftentimes many times more so than you thought you had when you were in the corporation land, because now people are just real and they're, they're going to help you. And I think that's, you know, a, a tribute to what you started with Smashing the Plateau. That's a great community. There's been some great connections there. I see some new ones and I've introduced people to people around the world. You know, I just introduced a gentleman named Troy. To a, a friend of mine in uh, Sydney, Australia, who works with people that he wants to work with in the Philippines, and I find because of the internet, you know, like I say, I put on the headset and the internet, and I'm at work. I can go anywhere I want today in this wonderful world, right from where I sit. And I think that's the beauty of being where we are at this
1: time in the in the process. It is. It, it's amazing. So, so, Bill, it is. Yeah. We've covered a lot of territory. Congratulations on. Um your own career evolution and the fabulous job that you do serving consultants, coaches, and advisors. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything that you've shared today or learn more, access any resources that you have, where's the best place for them to go?
0: Best place is go to uh, the website and um, that would be com. From there, you can, there's a free resource page, which is a number of the various documents that I've created over the years that you can pick around and grab something that looks valuable or useful to you. There's one, which is kind of my signature piece now for what I'm doing. And that's uh, a report called um, how to get more referrals in a year than most advisors, how to get more referrals in a month than most advisors see in a year. And again, I came out of financial services. So I pulled an article and used that as a reference point from financial planning magazine and, uh, most advisors don't get an awful lot of referrals and that's because they have no system, they have no consistency and, you know, all the other good stuff. And we just show them what can happen if you do. So that's a good piece to have a good overview. And it also has a link to set up a meet with a cleanly appointment to uh, schedule a no obligation conversation. Kind of like, um, Kalen says, you know, I, I picked up a good idea from, uh, Steve Gordon, the, uh, unstoppable CEO who I love dearly. He's just brilliant. If you ever want to use good resource, he's the man. And he has a great way of saying, look, you know, we're going to have a no obligation. Uh, I promise not to try and sell you anything if you promise not to try and buy anything from me. We're just going to figure out if we have a good fit. And if we do, you make the choice as to what we do as the next step. Is that fair? And I've found that's extremely useful and works every time. I've never had it not work. And it takes all the pressure out of the situation. There's no... You know, somebody's going to jump out of the bushes at you kind of thing. Uh, It's just an opportunity to say, look, tell me where you're at. Tell me where you want to go. And I'll tell you if I can help you get there faster, better, smoother, cooler, whatever. And if I can't, I'll direct you to a resource that were I in your shoes, I would try to direct myself to as well. What could go wrong on that kind of a call?
1: It's brilliant. Bill, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and uh, share your insights, a little bit about your own story, etc. My guest has been Chief Connection Officer with Sell More Marketing, Bill Dorr. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. Thank you, David. Been a pleasure, as always. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. On today's episode with Buildor, we learned how to get more clients and earn more money by design, not by accident. Are you building a community? Check out Circle, the all-in-one community platform for creators and brands. Bring together engaging discussions, members, live streams, chat, events, and memberships, all in one place, all under your own brand. Circle is the platform we use in the Smashing the Plateau community. I love the way Circle puts your people, discussions, and content all in one place. Get a free 14-day trial of Circle at smashingtheplateau.com Circle. That's smashingtheplateau.com Circle. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.